Hi, everyone. Welcome to the Faith Christian Podcast. At Faith Christian, our purpose is to help people find and follow Jesus. For more information about Faith Christian, check out our website, fccnp.org, or stop by on a Sunday morning. We'd love to meet you. Now we hope you enjoy this recent teaching from Faith Christian Church. God, thank you for being our good, good Father. As we consider today your greatness, your goodness, your love for us, your perfection, your mercy extended to us, your grace lavished upon us, you are our good, good Father. God, as we've sung these songs, these words of truth about who you are, about who we are, Father, we pray that your, your ear has been pleased. As the praises of your people, the meditation of our heart, the words from our lips have come before your throne. And Father, now we ask that you would speak to us. As we examine scripture today, as we read these ancient words, would you make them real to us? Would you make them a part of who we are? Speak to us, Father. We welcome that. We listen. Teach us today and teach us how to love better. We pray in the name of Jesus. Amen. You can be seated. Well, again, let me say, glad to see you. Welcome again. We exist here at Faith Christian for one reason, and that is to help people find and follow Jesus. So if there's some way we can help you take your next step as a follower of Jesus, we can't wait to walk with you in that journey. I want to mention just a couple things to you quickly by way of announcement. Two weeks from today, on October the 20, uh-oh, 3rd? Sure. 23rd, two weeks from, from today, at 6.08 that evening, that Sunday evening, we're going to have our next 6.08 service. Uh, many of you have been around for those 6.08 services before. Those are just nights of worship. Our band will be leading us in times of worship. We'll have some uh, specific prayer time, um, and we hope that you'll be here. It's a wonderful evening, and it starts at 6.08, which is exactly why we call it 6.08. We're not that creative around here, but that's what it's called. But we hope you'll be here. That's two weeks from tonight for our 6.08 service. And also, last week, if you were here, I hope you got a chance to meet Kara and Noah Rose, our new staff members. Kara and Noah are working in our next generation ministry, our children's ministry, our student ministry. They are leading. They are here on a part-time basis with us until uh, December. And so they'll be up here on Sunday mornings, uh, Sunday evenings for the next couple of months. And if you haven't met them yet, we would love for you to get a chance to meet them. I'll give you a hint if you're in the room. They're sitting at the front of the room. So find them before you leave today. Introduce yourself. We are also putting a schedule together for the next couple of months of of folks here in the church, families here in the church, um, to get to know them a little bit by hosting them for a meal, either at your home or at a local restaurant. Uh, We are looking for folks who would be be willing to share a meal with them either on Saturday evenings for dinner or Sunday afternoons right after church over the next couple of months. If you're interested in, and you're available to do that, uh, please see me or see Brian, our executive pastor, before you leave today. If you're watching online, you can email us, uh, Larry at FCCNP.org or Brian at FCCNP.org, and let us know if you'd like to participate in that as we put that schedule uh, together for them for the next couple of months. Just to kind of jumpstart their relationship building before they get here full time in December. Well, once again, let me say to you, welcome home. That's our theme this fall. We are in exploring di- different venues, different uh, ways to look at this theme of welcome home. We began by looking at the beautiful story of the prodigal son in Luke 15 and how the, the father figure in that, which is the picture of God in that story, welcomed home his sons, wanted his, both of his sons to come home. Last week, we began a new conversation that's taking us through the month of October where we're turning our attention to your home. 
And we're talking about the, the concept of parenting and children. And as, as parents, does God have anything to say about that? So I came across this list uh, as we explore this topic of uncommon families. Came across this list of things that are uncommon, not normal to hear in a home. Especially at home with kids. For instance, here's some things you will never hear a parent say in their home. Yeah, I used to skip school a lot too. Mom and dad are never saying that. How about this one? Mom's never going to say, I don't have a tissue. Just use your sleeve. Things that are uncommon to be heard. The, 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 the last one, the, the things that parents would never say, you know that curfew I gave you? That's just a, a general time for you to be home. That, that, no, it's specific, right? Palms to that. Well, here's some things that that's what parents will never say. Here's some uncommon things that will be heard from children at your home. For instance, a kid is never going to say, well, who cares if my phone is broken? Never going to say that. A kid is never going to say, no, thanks, Dad. That's just too expensive. At least not my kids are ever going to say that. And finally, things I'm never going to hear my kids say, you're so cool, Dad. It's just not going to happen. What we're talking about as we continue this Welcome Home series is this idea of uncommon families because common just isn't working anymore. Common is not good right now. In fact, what, what common is in families right now is divorce and dysfunction and depression and codependency. Common in families right now is having a bunch of hurts and habits and hang-ups that we're still trying to process from our own growing up, just hoping we don't pass it on to our own kids. Common in families is dealing with regrets and missed opportunities and sleepless nights. The truth of the matter is none of us started out that way. None of us wanted to be that kind of parent. None of us wanted to have that kind of family. As a matter of fact, when we found out we were going to be parents, most of us, I suspect, if you were like my family, but most of us thought, huh, well, I'm going to be the best parent there ever was. If I got a chance to raise these kids, I'm going to be the best parent that has ever lived. I mean, my parents did a decent job, but they got nothing of what I'm going to do. I'm going to have the best kids and they're going to feel so loved, and we're going to spare no expense to give them the life that they've always dreamed of. It's going to be amazing. So before the kid is even born, you're planning for them. You, you do whatever it takes to get the right house in the right neighborhood with the right schools. You start saving for college, and then you've got to have the right kind of car. It's got to be safe. It doesn't have to be economical. It just has to be safe, and so it's huge, and maybe it's from Germany. I don't know. It's got like 55 airbags in it, but you've got to have it to protect those little kids. And then the baby shows up, and you've got to have that safest stroller you can find. So you get the 4x4 four four stroller with the lift kit and the fog lights. Because you are all tricked out and blinged out. It's safe. That thing is bulletproof, because that's the stroller you need. And then as our, as our kids start to get older, you, you bring in tutors. Because, you know, they've got to know four different languages by the time they're four years old. And we bring in trainers to help them for, for their sports. And I mean all of their sports because they're playing baseball and basketball and football and swimming and karate and softball and ballet and tap and all the things. And then you start throwing your, yourself into all of their activities. And you're involved in the PTA and in the booster club and you're coaching their teams. And you're coaching teams. You're not even sure if your kid's even on the team, but you're still there coaching that team. And then you feel like, oh, I'm not keeping up. I'm not good enough. The neighbors are doing more. My friends on Facebook are doing better and funner things than we are, so we got to keep up with them. So it's, it's camping every weekend, and it's Cedar Point every Thursday, and whatever it takes just to keep the kids smiling and keep them happy and keep them occupied and keep them thinking that you're the greatest thing ever. And a few years go by, 
And eventually you think, oh my goodness, I've got two jobs, I've got two mortgages, we've got two leases, we have a boat that we never use, an RV I can't sell, a swimming pool that no one's ever even been in, I don't know what to do, I'm just exhausted from trying to be a great parent. For many of us, our lives as parents could be summed up with just a few words. For instance, some of us, we could sum up our lives, how we feel in our family as parents. We could sum up with the word stressed. We are so stressed all the time. All the homework and all the projects and all the practices and all the rehearsals and all the stuff that we have to deal with with our kids. It doesn't matter where we go, stress finds us. And there are moments when you think, I I don't know if our family is going to make it. I don't know if our marriage is going to make it. I don't know if I'm going to make it because I'm just so stressed. Maybe another word that would sum up parenting for some of you is the word checked out. Oh, you tried really hard to be the super parent. You tried really, really hard to be great, but yet you just couldn't keep up with the expectations you put on yourself. And now you feel like, I'm, I'm just going to throw in the towel because I can't do it. And so some of you have gone so far as to kind of mentally check out a parent and check into your business or your job or your career or a relationship or something else. I know for a lot of us, the word that would describe our parenting is guilty. We just feel guilty. We look back and we see the missed opportunities. We look back at our parenting and we're filled with regret. We think about our kids and we think, I, I, I missed it. I should have done this. I should have done more. And you're just filled with this overwhelming guilt. And somewhere along the line, you're thinking, in all of my efforts to provide the best life for my kids, I somehow missed out on life. Well, it shouldn't be that way. In fact, if that's what common is, I don't want to be common. I want to be uncommon. And that's why during this series, this part of our Welcome Home fall we're just going back to the bible and we're saying what did god have to say about the family because it was his idea what does god have to say about the family because what would it be what would it be like to do things his way and i want to just tell you right up front this this series is not about a bunch of steps that lead us to perfection as parents and this series is not about a bunch of rules that you have to follow that'll make you feel guilty if you don't follow them because we've got enough guilt in parenting already this series is just about taking a look at these biblical principles that provide some boundaries for your family and for my family and then letting god do some amazing things in our families which make our family truly an uncommon family so if, if you were here last week or if you tuned in last week we introduced the first of five biblical principles that God has for the family. And the first principle was this, that uncommon families widen the circle of influence in their kids' lives. And we talked about how as parents, we have the biggest influence on our lives. We we use this illustration of the beads that are sitting over there on the coffee table in our little living room. These beads that we we have the most influence on our kids' lives, but we are not the only influence on our kids' lives. And we need to have other adults in our kids' lives saying, speaking into their lives, saying the same things that we do. Adults who, who have the same philosophy and the same worldview of love God and love people. 
speaking truth into our kids' lives. And our responsibility is to include other people, to let other people into that. And we use this picture from the, from the Old Testament where Moses is talking, giving this, this speech we're going to explore more of today. He's talking to the community. He's not talking to the individual. He's talking to the community at large. And so we suggested last, last week as a great step to do this is to partner with us as a church to get youth leaders and teachers and sponsors pouring into your kids' lives. And they're saying the same thing that you are. We also suggested pursuing some strategic relationships with some other adults who can be role models in your kid's life. Well, today, I'm going to give you the second of these five principles. Principle number two is this. Uncommon families, imagine the end. Uncommon families, imagine the end. Have you ever asked yourself, what's the goal of parenting? I mean, we have goals for all parts of our lives, don't we? We have goals for our business. We have goals for our academics. We have goals for our finances. We have goals for what we're going to do in our retirement. We have goals for pretty much everything in life. But have you ever thought about what the goal is for parenting? Is it to get your kid a scholarship? Is it to get your kid graduated from high school and out the doors? Is it to get them graduated from college? Is it to get them married off so you don't have to deal with them anymore? What's the goal of parenting? Have you ever thought about that? What is the goal of parenting? If I ask you, many of you would say, I, I don't know. I've never thought about that. I guess my goal is just to survive, just to, to make it through the 18 years. Have you ever thought about this? How do you know, as a parent, how do you know if you get there? In other words, what's the finish line when it comes to being a parent? Is it when they graduate? When they graduate college, is it when they get married? Is it when they have their own kids? Is it when you die? What is the finish line of parenting? Here's why all this is important. Raising great kids starts with imagining the end. With imagining the end. You begin by determining the goal, the finish line, and then you parent towards that goal. And what's brilliant is the Bible actually points us in the direction of what that goal should be. And in this passage from Deuteronomy chapter 6 that we started reading last week, we're going to continue reading through this entire series, the entire month of October. Moses has gathered these, these people around, giving his farewell address. There's well over a million people in the crowd. He's teaching them, here's how you're going to live when you get to the promised land, this land that God has promised our people for generations. Here's how you're going to live when you get there, when we inhabit this land. These are the bedrock foundational principles on how we will do life together, how we will do family together and he begins to share these things and pointing them towards the true goal the true finish line now listen the things that moses will say here that we're going to explore over the next four weeks the things that moses will say here became so important to the israelite people to god's people the hebrew people that they would make it a practice to, to recite this, this part of Scripture, what, what is our Scripture, to recite these principles and these rules and these laws, they would recite these at least two times a day, every day, sometimes even more. They would write these things down on little pieces of paper, and they put them in these little um, leather boxes that they would actually strap to their forehead like a headband, and they would wear it around this little leather box with this, this Scripture written in it so it was close to their brain 
all the time, so it was constantly on their mind. They would wear them on, on little bracelets around their wrists so it was close to their heart all the time so they would remember how important these verses were. This whole practice of reciting this thing over and over again of what Moses will say here became known as the Shema. And it was the, it was the number one thing that they paid, paid attention to. And in this particular collection of verses, we're going to see these principles that we're going to unpack over the next four weeks. But I want to teach you the first one today. Here's what it looks like. Deuteronomy chapter 6, verse 4. Listen, O Israel, Moses says. Listen, O Israel. The Lord our God, the Lord is our God, the Lord alone. Now we're going to stop right there. Because some of you hear this and think, oh, okay, the, the, the Lord's our God, the Lord alone. Okay, that's great. There's a God, he's not me. All right, I get it. No big deal. No, 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 this is, this is bigger than just that. Moses has gathered everyone together. Remember in this context, all these million plus people gathered around. And he says, listen. Hey, every, everybody, he's kind of clapping. Hey, everybody listen. Pay attention to me. This is crucial. This is key. This is operation critical. This is priority number one. This is the first thing you have to know before we do anything else, before we know anything else. You have to know this. This is why it went on the forehead. This is why it went on the wrist. This is why they recited it two or three times a day. You have to know this. He's saying to them, you have come from, only thing they've ever known in their lives, you have come from a culture in Egypt that used to worship everything. They worshiped everything. They'd just come out of Egypt. In Egypt, they had a god of the sun, and they had a god of the moon, and they had a god of the river, and they had a god of the livestock, and they had a god of the locusts. They had all of these gods. They worshiped everything. And Moses says, not anymore. This is the way we're going to do life now. There is only one God. There is no one higher. There is no one greater than our God, and he is God alone. What Moses is doing here is he is establishing a priority in which to live our lives. And there are a lot of things that you and I will find to be important, top-shelf stuff in our lives, our retirement, our money, our careers, our jobs, our families, our marriages, all good things, all important things, but they are not priority number one. God gets that spot. Only God is. And listen, there are some things that you and I are going to teach our children. We're going to stress to our children. We're going to beat into our children's heads, and they're important. Eat your vegetables. Eat your fruit. Brush your teeth. Get a good night's sleep. Do your homework. Exercise. Get off your phone. Practice your instrument. Don't pick your nose. Represent us well. All these things are important things that we teach our kids. And on and on and on that list will go. And all those things are good. And all of those things are important, but they're not number one. They're not top priority. Only God has the ability to be priority number one because God is the only thing that will last forever. The Bible is telling us there are many things, good things, that will demand our attention, that will demand our affection, but they're all short-term. They'll all fade away but only God is eternal. Now, we understand this. This is, this is basically the principle. We, we, don't invest in, we don't invest everything in the short term. We invest in the long term. We think about the long term. We do this as parents. We do this as business people. We do this as adults. We do this with our kids all the time. We teach our kids this. Your kid comes home from school. 
They want to go play video games. What do you say? No, no, no. Homework first. Why? Because that's important. We invest in what's important. That's lasting. You're teaching your kid about money. You teach them how to save, not just how to spend, but how to save. Because why? Because that's lasting. That's important. God is saying, do the same thing in your life. Do the same thing with your life. Don't waste it all away on the things that will soon pass. Make sure you invest something, invest in something that is eternal. And the only thing that is eternal is God. Priority number one. There's no one greater. There's no one higher. God and God alone, make sure you invest in him. Here's the point of all this. The question we have to ask ourselves as parents, maybe it's a pretty good question for all of us to ask ourselves no matter where where we are in in our cycle of parenting, our, our rhythm of parenting, whether your kids are grown or empty or whatever. What will matter 100 years from now? That's a good question. What's 100 years from today, what will matter? Let me tell you, 100 years from now, it doesn't matter what school your kid got into. It doesn't matter if they hit a home run or if they struck out. It doesn't matter what they got on the ACT. It doesn't matter if the ribbon they got was a blue ribbon or a red ribbon. The only thing that will matter then, 100 years from now, the only thing that will matter is their relationship with God because he's the only thing that's eternal. There's a spiritual reality being taught to us through this passage. The kind and quality of relationship that our kids have with God now will determine the kind and quality of relationship that our kids will have with God for eternity. So make sure that you are investing in the eternal, not just the short term. Now let's fast forward a few thousand years from Deuteronomy chapter 6. And God puts skin on and he walks around in the form of Jesus. And Jesus tells us the very same thing. Listen to Luke chapter 12, beginning of verse 13. Then someone called from the crowd, Teacher, teacher, please tell my brother to divide our father's estate with me. Jesus replied, Friend, who made me a judge over you to decide such a thing as that? Then he said, listen to these words now, beware, guard against every kind of greed. Life is not measured by how much you own. Then he told them a story. A rich man had a fertile farm that produced fine crops. He said to himself, what should I do? I don't have room for all my crops. Then he said, I know. I'll tear down my barns and build bigger barns. Then I'll have room enough to store all of my wheat and other goods, and I will sit back and I'll say to myself, my friend, you have stored away for years to come. Now take it easy. Eat, drink, and be merry. But God said to him, you fool. You will die this very night. Then who will get everything you worked for? Yes, Jesus goes on. Yes, a person is a fool, to store up earthly wealth but not have a rich relationship with God. You hear what Jesus is saying here? Life, it's temporary. But God is eternal. And then Jesus goes so far as to use a word in this passage to describe someone who uses their entire effort preparing for something, pouring into something, investing in something that might happen but neglects but neglect something that will. Jesus uses the word fool. 
And then he goes so far as to say this. He goes, don't worry about what you eat or drink. Don't worry about what you're going to wear. You ever think about all the things we worry about with our kids, what they eat, what they wear, where they'll go, what school they'll get into? We get so nervous about them, we put helmets and elbow pads on them for just to you know, go to Walmart. We stress about them. And, and I'm, I'm not saying that's bad. But it's not priority number one. And then Jesus sums up this whole passage with this verse in Luke 12, verse 31. Jesus says, seek the kingdom of God above all else. Seek the kingdom of God above all else, and he will give you everything that you need. Do you see what he's doing there? He's saying God is priority number one. Now look how Jesus concludes this whole passage, verse 32. For it gives your father great happiness to give you the kingdom. What Jesus is saying here is when you put your relationship with God on the ultimate end of the horizon, at the top priority, number one, for your kids, and you parent towards that, guess what? He says, Jesus, guess what? When you do that, guess what? God wants to invest in that too. Here's the deal. God cares about what your kids do. God cares about the baseball game, and God cares about the ACT, but what God wants to invest in is their eternity. So why not imagine that in and parent towards it? All right, so how does this play out for us as family? What do we do about this? Because there's a danger here. There's a danger in hearing this phrase, imagine the end, and we always think short term. We always think just the, the, the immediate. We think, well, I, I, I want my daughter to get a degree. I want her to go to college. I want her to get a good job. I want her to find a nice spouse, have great kids, buy a nice home, put a little nest egg away. But all those things that we get wrapped up in, all those things that we, we tend to invest in and think about and parent towards, all those things are wrapped up in what our kids do. And we parent towards that. And we reward our kids towards that. But it's all short term. But when God imagines the end for our kids, God thinks long term. He thinks eternity. Let me say it like this. God doesn't think in terms of what our kids do. God thinks in terms of what our kids will become. The question is not the achievements that they make. It's not the things they accomplish. The question is, who are they becoming? Are they becoming people who love God and love people? Because that is so much more important in the long term. And that's the kind of life that God wants to invest in. Here's the basic truth about this, kind of behind this whole way of thinking. Who your kid becomes they will take with them into every situation that they will accomplish. Who they become will affect everything that they do. It will go with them in everything that they do. They'll take who they become, they'll take that into their marriage. And they'll take that into their careers. And they'll take that into their relationships. They'll take that into their families. They'll take that with them to college, who they become. So why don't we get consumed with who they are becoming more than just what they are doing. That's, that's what uncommon families do. Let me pray for you. God, would you teach us to parent towards this? To see this end about who our kids are becoming and lead them and guide them to become people who love you and love other people. Father, remind us that when it comes to the end of our kids' lives 60, 100 years from now, 
that the only thing that will matter is who they loved, who loved them, and what they did for you. Teach us that. Teach us to parent towards that. And Father, remind us of that in our own lives today. That who we are becoming, that that's who you care about. Not what we do, not what we accomplish, but the person, the man, the, the, man, the woman of, of Christ, the follower of Jesus that we are becoming. That's what's most important. God, teach us how to love you, to love people. Teach us to love better. We pray in the name of Jesus.